Hi, welcome to Digging, the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure and the heavy civil construction industry. I'm your host, Taylor Maurer, Senior Managing Partner at HCRC, Heavy Civil Resource Consultants. In this podcast, we explore challenges faced in the industry, investigate the effects of politics, the economy, trends, including stories of success and stories of failure. It is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals to be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. All right, I'd like to welcome Christine Brown uh, to the podcast. Christine is the owner of Written Resumes, and today we're going to be talking about writing an interstellar resume. So welcome, Christine. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here, and uh, hopefully I can share some insight to uh, assist in the resume writing process. Yes, and I want to say that it was... uh, such a pleasure meeting you and your husband over Easter at the Aww. Easter party, and then you guys hosting the after party. <laughs> I love a good impromptu party, you know. So I was, I was happy we could do that. You never want to end with the egg hunt. The That's sugar right. crash, the sugar <laughs> crash can't come that quickly. Yes. Yeah, speaking of which, you, you and your husband are certainly brave to take on what was it? Almost a dozen sugar-fueled kids over to your house. Uh, oh, we I, just I, kept I feeding them more sugar, though. Yes, I recall the tons of Nerf guns and trampoline and everything. And speaking of which, your son just won gold. Was it was it trampoline gymnastics? What was it? He did. He did. Proud mom moment. Yeah, he is the regional. So the whole western half of the US champion in trampoline and what's called double mini. Um, It's another trampoline thing where they do a couple of bounces and a trick in the air and then they stick their landing. But um, yeah, he's he's a really talented gymnast and he's nine. And it was really fun to watch him bring home the gold this last weekend in Salt Lake City. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, Well, I would love just to start off by you sharing with us your background, how you got into this and what you love about it, why, why you're passionate about it, because obviously you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't absolutely love it. I do. I I live and breathe uh, resumes and really more importantly, getting people where they want to be and where they should be in their career. So that's why I'm passionate about this field. Uh, But I started, um, well, I mean, I've had a lot of different uh, positions throughout my career, uh, but I went to Cal Poly and I got a background in public relations. Uh, Actually, I had a very fun time starting out my career after college. Uh, I lived in the state of Hawaii and I represented the state um, in public relations, um, trying to get more tourism in Hawaii. Uh, I worked right after 9-11 happened. So I learned crisis communications and writing press releases and how to interact with the media. Uh, it It was a really great way to start my career off. And it gave me a lot of insight into how do you uh, make something appealing for your audience? 
obviously Hawaii wasn't all that hard to polish up. It was a pretty easy, uh, easy subject matter to write about. But um, what I learned there, I was able to transfer on in my career as I got into labor relations. Uh, for about eight years, I worked for the County of San Luis Obispo and I was the lead negotiator. <clears throat> and also the lead labor representative, um, as they called me. Essentially, I made sure that job descriptions were written properly. Um, at one point, I did an entire classification and compensation study of all the 360 positions um, that work in the county system. Um, I, I did everything from going to court to, um, to advocate for employees and their classifications, um, to writing all the job descriptions, so I really learned um, labor relations and also what it took to describe what you were doing uh, in every different type of position you could possibly think of. Um, I also was there at the county and I got to interview the first companies that came in to uh, bring in an applicant tracking system for the first time to the county. So I got to learn, you know, how do the applicant tracking systems work? Uh, how are they programmed? Uh, you know, what causes errors, what causes an employee to make it through the applicant tracking system better, uh, what causes them not. Uh, so I just, I really got a feel for, and there's so many different systems, but I got a feel for, you know, kind of a, a variety of the systems and how they work and, and really on the other end, how to make sure to write documents that will pass through an applicant tracking system and also that will um, impress human eyes because I, I worked with the county human resources office hand in hand on a daily basis, uh, getting employees into other positions if they were laid off, um, you know, reclassifying, advancing positions. So it was a pretty uh, frequent conversation that I had with all of the HR analysts, you know, what are we looking for here? How can I substantiate their qualifications? What are the transferable skills? How do I present this person essentially to get them into the position that we want to get them in or they want to be in? So after my career in labor relations and realizing that I couldn't be at the bargaining table hammering out uh, prevailing wage at two o'clock in the morning like I was during that part of my career, um, I wanted to have a family. So I started my own business and that's when I became a full-time technical writer and resume writer and I used my background um, in promotional writing and also in labor relations, put it all together. And uh, for the last about 10 years now, I have been independently employed, running my own business, uh, writing thousands. I'm now up to, gosh, probably somewhere in the 3000 range of uh, resumes for uh, people in every level of career from entry level and internships all the way through the top executives. Um, for the last four years, I've been employed by NASA as well. Uh, I'm on their human resources team. I write biographies and resumes uh, and award nominations for some of NASA's top executives, which is a very fulfilling and enlightening and just um, overall a wonderful career. So there's there's my background and experience and, and I love sharing with other people how to be able to present yourself uh, to your target audience to get where you want to be. <laughs> great, great. And um, one of one of your biggest clients in regards to your technical writing has been NASA. Yes. Right. Can, can you tell us more about the work that you've done with NASA and how you connected with those guys? Like what, what was the background <laughs> with that? 
<laughs> well, the background, um, honestly, it's kind of funny, was through Indeed. They, they posted an ad for a technical human resources writer, and uh, I, I try to always have something else, a large contract or something else to fill my time besides just writing resumes. And I had finished a uh, contract for MindBody, and I was looking around for, um, you know, another client, something to sink my teeth into, and I couldn't believe that I saw this ad for NASA on Indeed. And I, I thought, wow, they're looking for someone who's a technical writer and who knows human resources well. Um, that, that sounds like me. And it uh, turns out I, I got the job. So four years later, um, I, yeah, I'm working pretty much full time. I work somewhere between 30 and 40 hours a week. Um, and my main assignments are writing what's called ECQs. Those are executive core qualifications. Uh, every executive in the federal service that gets above the GS-15 level has to submit ECQs, and typically below that level, they have their ECQs drafted as well. But essentially, I take what they've drafted and what they've been using, and as kindly as possible, um, I let them know what's wrong with it, and I fix it for them. And uh, then we go ahead and submit ECQs that are going to pass through the OPM, the Office of Personnel Management. Um, and it's, it's a big deal because if these executives don't pass this essay test, um, they actually do not get the position that NASA has appointed them to. So they can go through the whole interview process and be selected for the position, and then they can actually not get the job because they don't pass the essay test. So it's a 10-page it's a essay and an 8-page resume that they have to submit. So I, I write those for the executives. Um, and then I also write award nominations. I just recently submitted eight papers to President Biden, which is exciting that the president reads my writing, or supposedly he reads my writing. Um, but I, I submit the awards for what's called the Presidential Rank Awards, uh, where the president awards the top federal employees in the whole country. Um, they, they get a large uh, monetary award and they also get to go to a party at the White House. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty prestigious deal to win the PRA or the Presidential Rank Award. Um, and that's a four page paper that substantiates why you deserve the award. Uh, and I write those for the executives as well. And I submitted, like I said, eight of them this year. And one of them was for the director of the James Webb Space Telescope, which was an amazing paper to write and research. And he's an amazing person to work with. Um, it's really an honor to get to, um, to talk to, engage with, and then be able to convey uh, information in a way that is going to hopefully win the award for these top executives. That's great. That's fantastic. Thank you. In regards to resumes that you've in writing resumes, what are the top three keys that you feel really make a great resume? Top three, um, you know, first of all, would be the organization of the document. Um, you want to have a document that makes sense to your reader. And that can mean a lot of different things. Um, different resumes look different in different industries. Um, like I was saying for NASA, I'm writing these eight page resumes. Um, I'm not saying that that is the style or format I would choose if, if I had the choice, but our audience, is looking for an eight page resume that conveys certain information. And so that's what I put together for them. Um, and I try to ensure that regardless of the length of the document or how it's formatted, that the way that it's organized makes sense. 
Um, and I try to, as much as possible, break things up into bite-sized categories. So, um, you know, if you can break up your experience section, maybe into more recent experience versus a past career history, that, that helps a lot of times. And it also helps you focus on that first part of your career history, um, you know, or the most recent experience, which is what, what usually the reader wants to be seeing and usually where your highest level skills and transferable talents are gonna be found. Um, so organization would be my, my first piece of advice. Um, secondly would be consistency. I guess it goes along with organization, but um, ensure that throughout the document, it's just more pleasant for the reader's brain overall if things are consistent. So if you're, you know, citing your experience in a certain way, you've put uh, your title first and then the company and, you know, um, and then the date over on the side, you know, however you're going to do your format, make sure it's consistent throughout and spend the time to make sure that you've kind of dotted those I's and crossed your T's because you can tell that's the part where, yeah, maybe not in the applicant tracking system, they're going to be able to tell, but when human eyes see that document, they'll be able to tell you spent the time to make sure that it's consistent and again, organized. Um, and then the, the third, and I would, I'm not putting these in order of importance because really honestly, this is probably the most important, is, is to be keyword optimized, to be um, targeted at your audience again. So put yourselves in the shoes of that HR manager or the, the hiring authority or whoever it is that has put out that job posting. And think about, you know, what are their top qualifications they're looking for? Um, look for clues in the job description. Did they quantify an amount of information that they want? You know, do they want five years of management experience or 10 years of technical experience or, you know, whatever it happens to be in that job description, um, figure out because that's probably one of the things either on their mental or physical checklist is uh, they want that 10 years of experience or they want a certain level of education or they want a certain combination. And so you want to make it clear. You don't want to make your audience hunt for information in your resume. You want to make it very clear and pleasant uh, because honestly, if you're going for a good job, the hiring authority is going to have a stack of resumes and you are going to do them a favor by being organized, by being consistent and giving them the information that they're looking for. Not just all of the information, not everything you've ever done and every skill that you have, because not everything's going to be applicable. It's not all going to be transferable. You want to show how what you've gained earlier in your career can bring them value, how you're going to bring them insight or solve a problem for them. Um, but, you know, the more you can make your resume come across as accomplishments and accomplishments you can then transfer to them rather than sounding like a job description, um, you know, it's going to be more engaging, more compelling, and uh, you're going to be, um, you know, that breath of fresh air that the hiring authority was waiting for in the stack of resumes, right? Sure. Yeah, let's let's dig into that a little bit more. Um, I completely agree with you. All very, very important. And I look at uh, probably 10 to 25 resumes a day. And organization is so important. Um, I, I find that and, and the consistency, like you said, to make it easy on the eyes. And I think a, a lot of candidates one of the major issues is, is a resume is something that's kind of piecemealed together. It, it's, it's worked on, it's brought up to date, 
it's set aside for one year or 15 years and sure, then not, yeah. not really revisited at all. And usually uh, what we also find is that candidates also don't have that much time. So when, when they go back to it, they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to try to pick up where I left off and mm-hmm. fill in the blanks. They're not really going back through the resume and seeing if anything needs to be adjusted for uh, applying for the specific job. Or like you mentioned, keyword optimization, which could completely change mm-hmm. from one job to uh, one position to another. Definitely. You, you could actually would want to go back and, and optimize keywords even further back in your career. Sure. Um, or have multiple yeah. versions of your resume that are keyword optimized for different types of positions. If you happen to be someone that isn't going in a straight linear path in your, your career. Yes, absolutely. Um, another thing with organization too, you mentioned usually you want your most recent experience at the top and, and coming down and the consistency, you do want to make it, I agree completely. You want to make it really clear, almost um, written for, uh, you know, a five or six year old, because I will see resumes and it's really hard when I'm looking down through their career for me to tell, well, hold on, is this just a different position at the same company? Mm -hmm. Or is this a different company? And um, I find that that's very frustrating, confusing for me. And, and before I know it, I'm focused more on trying to figure that out than the other really good information that I'm looking for Mm -hmm. in the resume. Sure. Um, And you probably spend more time, honestly, but studies show that in, I mean, in large recruitments, um, you know, when it's just, you know, an HR person going through the resumes, you're getting about seven seconds. So if in seven seconds, you can't convey to a person's eyes what you did throughout your entire career, you're missing, you're missing your, your chance there. You're missing your elevator pitch, essentially. So your resume not only has to be well-written to the point where when they actually do read it word for word, that they can tell that, you know, you, you tried and you're putting your all into it and also that you're picking out the accomplishments that are going to be again most applicable to their line of work um but they you know they also want um you're you're going to be scanned through these applicant tracking systems um where they're picking up certain keywords and um you want to score well and you know it needs to be something that doesn't uh kick you out too for um you know Sometimes, I don't know, formatting gets too complex and you'll get kicked out or um, or you're maybe not using, you know, for instance, if they're using terms like quality assurance, but you use quality control, you know, you just want to make sure that you're matching up. And like you said, um, every time a job description comes out, you'll do yourself a favor by modifying your resume and making sure that you're, you're speaking their language. Um, you know, if they've categorized a few areas that they find important on that job description, well, then why not let them know on the other end, here's how I can bring you value in this area. Um, you know, if they're looking for a certain technical, I'm sorry, technical skill, then just go ahead and talk about, you know, I got this technical skill from these positions. Um, and that's why having a combination, I think of a chronological resume and a functional resume can help a lot of candidates because those functional categories of information let you address what the hiring authority is looking for. 
So instead of just being confined to going through your career in a chronological fashion, you also have the ability to pull out um, certain aspects. And I usually recommend about three to five different functional categories. So, um, you know, if you're in the construction area, maybe project management or, um, you know, some different uh, technical skills, depending on what your position is, or depending on how far up the chain, maybe it's leadership and communication they're looking for. So pulling out some functional categories and letting the hiring manager know that, you know, I have um, 10 years of project management experience that I gained in several positions working for, you know, both industrial and commercial property or projects, um, encompassing and da da da. And that lets you kind of list out some of the skills and qualifications. It, it, it not only gives the reader a bite-sized chunk and kind of this ability to skim through the resume and, and get a good nutshell version of you quickly, but it also lets you load in keywords into your resume, which helps you score well in the applicant tracking system. So having those functional categories really serve two purposes. Um, and I like to begin the resume with a strong profile then get into some functional categories that are gonna really speak to the reader uh, because studies show the first half of that first page on your resume is really where the attention is going to um, lie for the most part. Then, you know, that second half of the, the first page is usually where, or in columns, depending if I'm doing a two column resume, sometimes I, you know, do one column where I'm talking about your key strengths and I start the other, other column where I'm talking about your education and your experience. Um, again, leading with what you're strongest in. So if, you know, you have certifications, education, that's going to be impressive and is going to be important to the reader, lead with that, uh, put it somewhere prominent on the resume. And then again, in the chronology, focus more on your accomplishments rather than your actual job responsibilities and duties. I couldn't agree more. Accomplishments, setting your you're setting yourself apart from other applicants that may be on the the hiring manager's desk is key to securing the position. Um, you mentioned the profile and the first half page, top half page being the most important because that get, that gets the most viewed. Um, would I, and you know, I guess we can speak specifically to engineering and construction since that's really our audience here on the podcast. We typically recommend, we call it a, a professional summary, and that's really mm -hmm. your, your paragraph for you to introduce yourself to, the, to that hiring manager as quickly as possible and try to utilize, what do you, did you say it was seven seconds seven uh, of seconds, time yeah. <laughs> that you have to, um, before they lose your, your, their attention? So you want to try mm -hmm. to grab that. And so we suggest that the professional summary and really try to pack that with a broad stroke or stroking where you know that your audience is going to want to see what exactly. your audience is going to want to see there. You want to paint that picture. Exactly. Um, and as yeah. a candidate, it makes it a little easier for you to know, um, because yes, I do think you should put in the work to update your resume every time you're applying for a new submission. Every time you see a new job description, you should be going back to the resume. How can I tweak this to make it stronger for this particular position? Um, but knowing that there's just a couple of areas that you need to tweak on the resume and most of it can be left the same, 
makes it easier for you as an applicant. So really it's that professional summary or um, sometimes I call it a qualification summary, but yeah, same thing. It's, it's your elevator pitch. It's your, you know, what you're essentially gonna put on your about area on your LinkedIn profile as well. Um, you know, it's, it's how, how are we summing you up? It should, be, it should be pretty short. You know, we're talking maybe one or two sentence fragments, uh, three at the most, um, you know, so you're really getting to the point. Um, and that, that being said, when I was talking consistency and organization earlier with, um, you know, how to structure a resume, I guess brevity is really what I should be adding in there as well. Um, yes, you want to get your accomplishments across, uh, but you've got to keep in mind that if you overwhelm your reader, you're not doing yourself a service. Um, so you got to keep in mind about 500 words is the maximum you want to put on a page. Um, okay. And really two pages uh, is about the maximum you're going to want to be handing over. Um, I write these eight page beasts for the NASA executives, um, but honestly, I, I don't want to read them myself. Um, so it's, <laughs> I, I really recommend, um, you know, because you're not going to all of a sudden impress them and, it, you know, compel them to hire you on the fourth page of your resume. You know, it's, sure. it's going to get across within the first one or two pages, um, whether you're going to be the candidate that they want to bring in for the interview or not. I remember coming out of college, I took one portion of a course that I took was based on resume writing. And at that time, which was in the early, I guess, mid mid 90s, um, they said one page resume, one page resume. And um, and, and now today in construction and engineering, I mean, yes, if you're in maybe the first uh, three, four or five years of your career, maybe it makes sense to keep it to one page. But mm -hmm. uh, very rarely are we seeing uh, project or, or construction executives with a, a one page resume. And it almost sure. seems like it's cut too short or they're trying, like you said, to put too many words on that one page. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, I will modify that depending on what level in your career you're at, um, obviously your resume should be getting longer. Um, you know, that straight out of college, yes, you should be having a one page resume internship, definitely one page resume. Um, but past that, I mean, two page is definitely acceptable. I, I write, I would say I probably write more two page resumes um, now than one page resumes. And you're right, for a while there, there was really a push for everyone to have these one page resumes. Um, but you, you just, you have to balance how uh, how can I get my key accomplishments and uh, my qualifications across to my audience uh, in the most pleasant, impactful, and concise way? So, I mean, that's really what you're going for with the resume. And, and it's kind of your first test of, you know, how can I, how am I going to operate as an employee? Um, you know, can I follow instructions? Am I organized? Am I able to get a message across to my intended audience. Um, you know, so people ask me when I'm writing for the NASA executives um, and I'm doing their resumes and their essays, is that is that cheating? Um, and in a sense, it a little bit is because, um, yeah, writing, writing your resume can be a good tell about, um, you know, how you are and how structured you are as, as an employee. Uh, that being said, and I'm definitely biased as the owner of a resume writing company, um, so many people are so great at their jobs, and your job is not to be a professional resume writer. And there's yes. a lot to it. 
um, in the last 10 years that I've been doing this professionally, it has gotten, I would say, twice as hard for applicants to be applying for jobs now as it was 10 years ago. Um, it used to be you had to you know, you had to be able to put together a resume and, um, you know, it was either you would mail it in or sometimes you would email it. Um, back in the day, we were faxing or actually walking them in. But nowadays, you not only have to master master the paper portion of the resume, but it has to be applicant, you know, it has to be ATS optimized. Um, but you also need to have an online profile. You're, you got to be a master of LinkedIn. Do you have your connections? Um, are you applying on the right job platforms? Uh, I mean, it has become quite a cumbersome process where nothing's been taken away. I mean, 10 years ago, I was guessing that resumes would sort of go by the wayside and we would start using some sort of a digital process like LinkedIn. Um, and it was getting bigger, but it, it hasn't, one hasn't taken the other over. We now have to master LinkedIn and have these great resumes. Um, everything has to be available for the, the hiring manager now. Yeah, um, I would even go so far as to say is that uh, those first seven seconds may be of your, someone viewing your LinkedIn profile before they're even looking uh -huh. at your resume. Definitely. Um, yeah, I and know I always in, say in, it needs to be a branded package. That's where my, I love that um, it's really come full circle. And I was hoping, I mean, I love the LinkedIn platform. And, and when it first came out, I was really hoping it would kind of take over resumes. Um, although as a resume writer, people would think, oh, wouldn't you lose your livelihood? But really it's, no, it's just a different, it's a different medium. And it's a different way yes. to convey your skills and strengths. And I do like the way that resumes and LinkedIn um, correspond and complement each other. So, um, you know, what I look at when I'm working for my clients, because I'll offer um, a package where it's maybe a resume cover letter and LinkedIn package. And essentially what I'm, what I'm doing is putting together documents that will be easier for them to modify and use for potential recruitments. And then when I'm confident with their resume, um, then I'll give them advice on their LinkedIn profile and how to update that essentially to look like a branded um, package. You want to convey a certain message to your audience. You want to come across in a certain way. And so, you know, I, that's when I put my public relations eye on and I, I do a review of the LinkedIn profile and give a, a thorough feedback as far as, you know, I would change this and I would add this here and the, the whole the whole thing. But yeah, making sure that you you have all of your documents ready, um, including cover letter if they're they're requesting that as well, because Again, it's the first test of how are you going to operate as an employee? Can they follow the instructions? We asked for A, B, and C. Did they submit A, B, and C? So people ask me, well, they said they could, you know, you could submit a cover letter. And um, I always highly recommend it because if you have an extra opportunity to be able to submit, a, you know, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with another 500 words compelling your audience to choose you for that position, well, why not? Um, and, you know, of course, submit the extra information. So. Sure, sure. And in today's uh, labor shortage, too, I, I feel like your, your LinkedIn really probably needs to be like dialed in before your resume does. Definitely. Because um, if, if your LinkedIn profile isn't compelling, then you're going to lose out to other candidates, whether it's a third party recruiter or it's, it's an internal recruiter or even a construction executive or an owner sitting behind their desk saying, well, I, I need this person. LinkedIn mm -hmm. can help me find it. 
Um, We still find that, you know, most of the platforms indeed, at least for our our industry, engineering, construction, you know, indeed, um, Zip Recruiter, those platforms don't really deliver um, the greatest candidates. And and often those candidates aren't uh, open or motivated to make a move. Their their resume has been on the platform for who knows how many years and, and maybe not updated, or, or even if they, they are updated, uh, it can be a, a bit more tricky in regards to location and understanding sure. the person's personal preference as well. Um, I wanted to touch on, on the keyword optimization. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a fine line, right? Between um, trying to pack your resume in with keywords, but also making it very user like uh, person friendly uh, where it, it can it can serve as as getting you through the ATS system if it's using AI or keyword search but then also um, when it gets to the to the actual hiring manager and they're reading it it doesn't seem like it was intentionally packed okay. with these keywords mm-hmm. so what is what is your philosophy on that where, where is there I'm sure it varies her resume, but is sure. there kind of a, a good rule rule that you follow or, or anything like that? Or yeah, I mean, again, it's it's walking that, you know, there's kind of a fine line between um providing too much information and not providing enough information. So finding that that happy balance. Um, and really, you know, what I'm looking to do, and as a technical writer, I'm always looking, how can I convey the same message? in five words rather than 10. Um, So I'm taking, you know, I'm trying to make sure that the same information gets conveyed, but just giving them less words. So it's doing the hiring manager's brain a favor. Um, And if you get rid of all the little to be verbs, and that's not going to hurt you in the applicant tracking system. You know, what you're looking for in the applicant tracking system is you know, key, um, keywords, key qualifications, that's where you're going to be getting your clues from the, the position listing. So, you know, if they're, they're looking for, again, certain computer skills or technical skills or leadership skills or project management or coordination skills or, you know, whatever aspects of it that they're looking for um, or that you have, you really want to convey that. And so you're, you're kind of going, you're looking for your basically top 10 to 15 is what I'm usually looking for um, keywords. And you try to match up as many of them in that job posting as possible. Um, I typically use lists of skills and strengths in addition to functional categories uh, in the resume. Again, I like breaking resumes up into sections. I like giving the reader something kind of interesting to read. Um, If I get a resume and it's three pages and it's just a solid chronology, I got to say I groan a bit, um, right? But if I get a resume and, you know, the the top portion's a profile that gives me a really strong understanding of the candidate, maybe on the side column, I see a list of 10 or 12, you know, keywords or key strengths that, you know, really touch on a lot of the areas that I was looking for. And then I see in the top half of the page, a few functional categories of information telling me where they picked up either these leadership skills or these hands-on practical skills. Um, And then I see their chronology. I feel like, okay, wow, I've just gotten a really good 
understanding of, you know, who this person is in a nutshell, what their key strengths are. And then also I, I know where they've been working for the last 10 years. Um, you don't want to put too much of your employment history um, right up front too. And so that that's kind of a difficult and challenging thing people ask me about all the time. Um, the sweet spot, I think, is about 10 to 15 years is uh -huh. really um, the amount of experience that you want to convey. If you do have more experience past that point, I recommend having an earlier career history section or, or something along those lines. If we're getting back into the 1900s, I don't, I don't want to put chronological dates on your resume for you like that, right? Sure. Yeah. So yeah two, 2000 and beyond is, is where we go with the dates on the chronology. So. Um, and speaking of chronology, most people go to college early in their career or even if, or maybe even before they've entered the workforce in many cases. And often I find that that is listed at the very bottom of the resume. And, you know, it, like you said, if the top half is only getting reviewed, do you recommend moving your education to that sidebar and, or a sidebar or, or and bringing up closer to the top so that uh, maybe the the hiring manager isn't missing that? Yeah, and you know, great question. And in your industry, um, in engineering, construction, those those realms, yes, I definitely recommend moving it up to the top. It's kind of an old fashioned uh, when resumes and CVs, as they were traditionally called, um, were were um, kind of evolving. Uh, the education was always at the bottom. Um, I don't I don't know who decided that education should go to the bottom, but that that's been a thing I learned from way back when is traditional resumes, you got education is last. Um, Any more though, formatting on resumes doesn't have to be so traditional. Um, you know, for certain audiences, it does need to be traditional. If you're applying maybe in the higher education sector and universities, they expect a more traditional CV. Or if you're, well, a NASA executive, you expect you to have those eight page real chronological focus resumes. But in other industries and especially in private sector, you can get away with having a resume that's formatted in a more user-friendly and appealing to the reader and um, you know, really more impactful for the applicant tracking system uh, manner. So that's where I do recommend uh, bringing the education up top. I recommend um, having a couple of columns um, so that way, you know, again, the glance test, um, you know, I'm able to glance down a side column of skills real quick while I'm, you know, reading through a chronology, it seems you almost can get can get both columns um, absorbed at once by skimming a resume if it's if it's set up in the right way. Sure. And I guess for like, maybe for somebody like me who has a biology degree and has been in recruiting for the almost 20 years now, I, you know, my education isn't, isn't that important. So, yeah. uh, you know, put, so pushing that can to the go down to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Your experience maybe. is, is maybe. really what, you know, you want to highlight. So, right. um, yeah, it's that structure of, and, and again, I always, I put myself in it. It's helpful because I was in human resources for so long. Um, and so I put myself into the shoes of the audience and I think, okay, well, how would I like to have this resume structured? So every time I get a new client, they're bringing me typically that resume that you were talking about that's been sitting around for 
a year or five years or 15 years not being touched, not being updated. And, and that's what I usually get, which is great for me starting out as a resume writer because it gives me a chronology. It gives me the, the facts of what they've been doing throughout their career, their education. Uh, but then I take that and I really turn it more into a public relations piece or, um, you know, something that's really audience targeted um, or a mark, almost a marketing piece, really, because that's, that's what we're doing is we're marketing people for their target position. It's not a product. It's a it's a person. And and that's what makes this work so fulfilling for me is that on a daily basis, I get to help people you know, advance in their careers or get where they want to be in life because, um, you know, your livelihood, your your job is really important to that. Um, so, you know, anything I can do to try to help people put the best foot forward they can, try to emphasize their key qualifications in a way maybe they hadn't thought of and just really get them into the place they want to be. Um, you know, that's my intention and, and what I do um, on a daily basis that fulfills me. Great. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, people and, and like you're dealing with individuals. I'm very interested to get your feedback on what is your take on people writing objectives on their resume? I, again, old, old timey, old fashioned. Um, I feel like, I mean, number one, putting a heading on your resume that says objective. Um, to me, it's just kind of like a well, duh. I mean, of course, your objective is to get the job with the company that you're applying to. I mean, that's why you've submitted your resume in. Um, so I, I think the objective is just telling your audience something that they already know, um, yes. you know, and if you get 500 words on a page, why use those words uh, conveying something that's already a given? Yes, my objective is to work for your company. I, that's why I've submitted this application. You know, really that section and what you were saying, the professional summary is, is what should be there instead. It should be focused on you. It should be your, your elevator pitch. It should talk about how you can bring them skills um, or how you can bring them value or how you can bring them the experience that they're looking for or solve the problem that they have. Uh, so yes, you're, we're on the same path with that. <laughs> I oh yeah, absolutely. How do I use objectives? <laughs> I, I feel like I, what I tell most candidates when I see an objective on their resume is I tell them that your objective is only limiting you to what's in your objective. Mm -hmm. uh, you could be applying for uh, a specific position at a, at a company and they could review your resume and say, well, we really like him for this other position that we mm -hmm. have. But if the object, objective doesn't align with that other position, right. then they're going to might think, oh, they're not interested and then yeah. push them off to the side. So I, I feel like it, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Scrape, scrape the objective, push it off to the side, bring that professional summary exactly. up to the top. Um, one other thing I'd like to, to check in with you about in regards to contact info, I've mm -hmm. always been a firm believer, you know, top forefront of the resume. Yeah. Um, but are now that we have all these social, you know, social media, do you feel like it's, it's really important to have your LinkedIn um, URL on there? Is it, is it now cell phone, email, um, it, or, or addresses, location addresses important? And again, I know this sometimes may be sure. audience specific, yeah. but in exactly. general, in general, what, what, what are your feelings 
on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What was I? I read something recently that the top top five ways to tell a job applicant is over fifty is that they use their address on the resume and they have an AOL email, <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So um, yeah, you know, address is one of those things that um, I don't recommend using your physical address unless there's a strategic reason behind it. So if you're, let's say, transferring to another city or state and you want to make yourself appear to be local already in that city or state, then yeah, use an address, you know, get an address that you can get mail out in the new location because sure. you don't want anything limiting. You were just saying limiting factors on your resume. Um, you don't want the hiring manager to think that you're going to be difficult to bring in. So um, a lot of times the first set of eyes that's on your resume isn't necessarily the, the actual manager that you're going to be working for. A lot of times it's someone in HR and in yes. HR, they're, they're looking to get people, you know, they want to get positions filled quickly and they want people to stay in those positions. Um, that, that is an HR, how we are judged is, you know, how quickly can you fill them and how long can we retain these people in their positions? Because turnover is costly. So a lot of times HR is looking for something different than the HR manager is looking for. And um, I'm sorry, than the hiring manager is looking for. And HR, um, they can be put off by things like being an out of the area applicant and knowing that you would have to transfer, you know, or actually move locations to come in for their for their job. Um, so yeah, using the address in strategic you know, ways or just using city and state um, or a PO box if you have one. Again, thinking about the fact that you're posting your resume on possibly public forums if you, you know, depending on how you have your settings um, designated on LinkedIn. So sometimes having your actual street address, you know, may not be something you want to do if you're putting your, your resume out on a forum like that. Um, yeah, having your LinkedIn URL is something I typically include now in the contact information and the heading. Um, that phone number and email uh, would be the, the big three there. Um, you don't necessarily have to list your, your LinkedIn URL. You'll probably be looked up either way. Um, but sure. especially if you want them to look at it, if you have it polished, yeah, I would say, you know, promote that. And, and show that, that, you know, that's another way that you're conveying your professional qualifications. Um, that being said, be careful. Uh, a lot of people will start a LinkedIn profile and then not update it, forget about it, and, um, you know, and then never delete it. And so it's still out there. Uh, so when you apply for a position, you know, keep in mind, the hiring manager is going to look you up. And if they find that 10-year-old profile that doesn't have any of your current jobs and has a, you know, a terrible old photo, you don't want that to be their first impression of you as a candidate. Um, LinkedIn can be such a powerful tool because it gives you a visual first impression of a candidate and how they put their profile together and how they're conveying themselves. I mean, it, it says so much um, that a black and white piece of paper doesn't say a lot of times. So I, I really appreciate um, that, you know, the, the basically the public relations and marketing piece of the LinkedIn tool, uh, but you have to use it properly because just like good marketing can promote a product, bad marketing can also detract from a product. So you want to make sure anything that's out there about you really reflects your true character and your quality. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't count how many times that we have come across a resume. We look the person up on LinkedIn 
and this is another thing, is where we find discrepancies between the two. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a job listed on LinkedIn that's not on the resume. Yeah. The date, the dates are pretty confusing yeah. between the two. And that's where how, that LinkedIn profile becomes your enemy or maybe your resume, maybe you're mm-hmm. not being authentic with your resume becomes yeah. the enemy compared the to honesty. I mean, beyond anything else, honesty is number one on the resume. And if an HR person has any doubt that you're being honest on that resume, woo, you go in the circular file real quick. Okay. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, even I get questions or often see candidates say, well, you know, I left that off my resume because it was only six months. It wasn't mm-hmm. a good fit. But that's going to come back to bite them in the mm-hmm. process, it, most likely at some point, whether it's through reference checks, again, comparing it to LinkedIn, and there's discrepancies mm-hmm. there. Um, we find that happening, too. So, yes, uh, we're, again, on the exact same page. <laughs> Honesty is going to be your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and speaking of job changes, do you ever... Do you ever suggest that you try to briefly explain a job change on a resume or a short stint? Um, Or even, I guess, maybe if it's contract work, you would note that it is contract work. Note that it's contract work. Um, You know, it it, it depends on the situation, how how I would go about, uh, because there are no, I mean, it depends again on your audience. If you're applying for a public sector position, there are more stringent rules as far as the requirement to include each and every one of the positions that you've been in. Um, But if you're applying in private sector, uh, you know, there isn't that real rule per se on your resume, except that you do need to give an honest depiction of how you've gained your experience in education. Um, So yeah, if you were only at a job for a couple of months and it wasn't working out, I probably wouldn't include that, but you need to be very careful to not include it on your LinkedIn then. You're right. I mean, they need to match up. Um, but yeah, if you've been there six months or more, you you do need to include it. And um, I typically don't ever explain. I always think of resumes as you're just putting your best foot forward. You don't ever want to make excuses for what you think that they might look at as a deficiency or something that needs an excuse or an explanation. You really don't even want to go there. It really should just be, here are my key qualifications. Here is the positive aspects of my background that I have to bring to the table. And you want to put it together in in an honest and compelling way. Um, So yeah, I mean, sometimes that is leaving out a a short stint position, but but not a a long stint one, um, unless it's far enough back in your career um, and that's where it gets to be strategic. If there's a, a break in service, you know, if you weren't working for a year or so, you know, maybe that's where you want to cut your experience. Um, you know, if it was 10 years or more, you don't really need to go back beyond that. If you have the, you know, if you have quality experience more recently in your career. Sure. Um, now your husband is an engineer. Yes. I've got to ask, did you write his resume? Oh, of course. Over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> of course. 
course. <laughs> so yes. you, you have, would be a fool not to use me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Especially if it's pro bono. <laughs> exactly. He's got so, an in-house expert. Why not use me? Yes. Yes. Of exactly. <laughs> so you you have significant experience in the in the engineering and construction sector, right? I mean, that's our audience. Depends, so. Yeah. So we can send them to you and oh, you can give them a yes. full rundown of their LinkedIn profile, resume, cover mm -hmm. letter. Are there any other services that you generally offer uh, that I didn't touch on on those? Those are the, those are the core services. Every once in a while, I help people with applications if they're going for a, you know, a diff difficult federal position. Uh, but no, usually it's resume, cover letter, LinkedIn. That's, that's the, the standard three. Great. And I also how write, I mean, I'm a technical writer, so I write on the other end as well for companies. Um, so that's why I know the engineering and construction field well, is that I, I also draft responses to RFPs and RFIs and RFQs. I write SOQs very often. Um, so I, I do know uh, from the inside uh, what, you know, what the, what the lingo is, what the acronyms are, you know, what, what we're looking for as far as, uh, you know, kind of the major facets of, of the sector. Great. Now, how can people find you? Is it, is it Christine at writtenresumes.com? You got it. Yeah, I have a website, writtenresumes.com. Um, also writtendocs.com as well. I'm a technical writer um, for business um, purposes as well. But yeah, written resumes will get you there. Um, and my email address, Christine with a CH at writtenresumes.com. Great. And all of that will be uh, included in our podcast description. So um, yeah, so great. Wonderful. Is is there anything else that uh, you that you feel is really important to share to our population or anything that we didn't touch on? Um, you know, really just, uh, again, uh, put your best foot forward and uh, do some, some searching as far as what are those key skills. Um, try to get creative and, and think about how can I bring transferable value to a new organization? What are they looking for? Um, you know, look at it through their eyes instead of yours. And a lot right. of times that perspective will make for a more powerful resume. Put, put yourself in your audience shoes exactly. and write your, mm -hmm. write your resume based on that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, Christine, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. And yes, um, we, we really appreciate all of the advice and guidance and thank you for telling your story. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me, Taylor. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to anyone I can assist with their resume projects in the future. All right. Great. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging Interesting. I will ask just one thing of you. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of digging, including Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the kick-ass music, and our clients for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug, if you're in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry, or 
consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www.hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you, and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging.